Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation and by TAPS, the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Well, Heidi, today we're going to talk about Afghans to the U.S., Afghanistan to the U.S., a military mother coping with COVID-19. Wow. Afghanistan to the U.S. Well, Heidi, you have had quite an experience, and we're going to talk about it. My grandson, your son, was deployed to Afghanistan a couple of years ago, and then he's not even back a year, and you are diagnosed with COVID-19. Well, Heidi, wow, what a trip. He's Army Infantry, and he's with the Arizona National Guard, and he deployed to Afghanistan for almost a year. So that was very stressful, and... Here I am, fast forward today, and I've been COVID-19 positive for three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I was wondering, Heidi, uh, how it was for you. I know that you were very stressed when he was in Afghanistan. On the news every day, they were talking about people that were a- in Afghanistan. Your son was driving a Humvee. How scary was that for you? It was anxiety-provoking and scary. I, I was worried that he was going to either die or be really injured by an IED. Um, so I was definitely anxious and I was definitely scared. I was also really proud of him. Mm -hmm. So that was another emotion because I, I, you know, he just volunteered to do this and wanted to serve our country. So I thought that was amazing, but it was definitely stressful. It was definitely very stressful when he was gone. And and I know you, at that time you were working with TAPS with Bonnie Carroll, the tragedy assistance program for survivors, and you were doing things on sibling laws. Was that supportive for you to be involved with TAPS while he was away? Oh, yeah, I love TAPS. So like you said, you know, Mom, you and I are on the Board of Advisors. So it's the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors of Military Loss. And the reason it was really helpful while Alexander was away is because I knew a lot of military families. And I knew a lot of people that had had or did have uh, kids that had deployed. And so that was really important. It was really important for me to reach out to my TAPS community and to reach out online to Facebook groups so that I could get support because no one really understands what you're going through, but people that are going through the same thing. So peer support, we know, is one of the number one things. Well, let's uh, flash to now uh, with the COVID. Tell people how you got the virus to start with and how you're feeling. I know they wanna know that. I don't know how I got the virus, but I do live in New York City on the 44th floor of a high rise on 59th, so it's fairly midtown Manhattan. And, you know, I, I flew out to Arizona to, to, so that I wouldn't get the virus and so that I could socially distance and brought my daughter here. We were planning to come out for a couple of weeks anyway. And I got here and a day and a half later, I started getting symptoms. So I have no idea if it was on the plane, if it was in New York, I don't know where I got the symptoms. Um, I got very classic symptoms. The first symptom was I had a pain in the back of my head, but that only lasted for a day. After that, it was a cough. And I've had a cough for three and a half, over, you know, a little over three weeks. Um, it was a cough after that, and it was a persistent cough. And then I had some trouble breathing. When I would breathe in, it would hurt. Um, I had a little bit of a sore throat, which would come and go. 
I was achy and had chills. And then my very last symptom was a fever and loss of taste and smell. Mm -hmm. So I, once I, you know, got a fever, it would spike for, to 102, back down to 97, back up to 102. And it kept going up and down. And I thought maybe my thermometer was broken. So I got another one and it kept doing that. So finally I called the hospital and told them my symptoms and that I had come from New York City. And they said, you need to come in to a COVID-19 testing site right now and get tested. My son, I said goodbye to my family because I didn't know when I was going to see them again. And my son, as you said, he's Army Infantry. He drove me. He was very calm. He has been incredibly calm throughout this entire ordeal. Um, he's been a rock. He's been amazing. And he is how old? He's 21. Mm -hmm. So he drove us. He, you know, he, he said, Mom, there was so many times in Afghanistan where we had to isolate. We couldn't leave. Um, he said, so I'm used to having to stay somewhere. So this has not been, you know, that part hasn't been difficult for him to stay and shelter in place. Um, he drove me to the, the testing site. I was tested and two days later I found out I had it. The, the, the you know, emergency room doctor called me and she said, you, are, you just tested COVID positive and you need to go into your room right now and isolate from your family for two weeks. You can't have any contact with them here and don't hug them goodbye, just go into your room. And so I did and my husband brought me food and I stayed in my room. He would leave the food on the outside of the door. So I got this and it is a, a mask um, to wear if I had to come out, but you know, I, I didn't come out, mm -hmm. but when I finally did come out, I was wearing it and I still do because I'm, I'm, I'm still, I still have some symptoms and I don't want to get the family, you know, I'm contagious. I don't want the family to get this. I also have gloves. Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting. I think one of the things that's really different about having COVID-19 versus having a son deployed is that there's a lot of shame and guilt that comes along with having COVID-19 because you, it's a little embarrassing. I know that might sound strange, but there is shame because you're afraid you gave it to people not knowing and that you're still, I'm, I still worry about my family getting it a lot. And how about Alexander not being able to go out with his group and all that? That's been really hard for him. He has the shelter in place. He can't help his guard unit at all. And they are out in Tucson, Arizona, helping stock shelves. They're helping the community at large and he's not allowed to go out of our house because he's been exposed. We didn't have milk and eggs, so we called somebody in his unit and they brought them. <laughs> They've been amazing. They check in every single day with us to find out how, we, how I am and how the rest of the family is. Every single day they call. Um, they've been absolutely phenomenal and they've told us, there's a lot of doctors in the National Guard and they've told us if we need anything to please call and they'll recommend you know, getting the right people to us and helping us. So they've, they've really come through. And TAPS, you can uh, connect with them, right? TAPS is amazing. Yeah, they're an amazing organization. I've met a lot of people I know that are in the military and that have had kids deploy or spouses deploy. Um, so that's our siblings deploy. So that's been, yeah, that's a big support system for me. It is a different situation because, you know, when you have children in the military, there's a lot of pride. And you're also kind of taking the journey alone. So you're, you have, when Alexander was deployed, I was very anxious, but I was doing a lot of things on my own, keeping distracted, going out, you know, et cetera. When you have COVID-19, you're in it with the world. Mm -hmm. So the support has been unbelievable. I, I'm overwhelmed by the support because everybody is so impacted by the coronavirus, mm -hmm. so incredibly impacted. 
but you were talking to me about the fact uh, with the military, you were able to give everybody a lot of hugs and connect yes. and, and go to conferences in Washington with TAP. But with the virus, they're only virtual. Well, that's the weird part. I haven't, I literally have not touched my family since March 16th. And it's what, April 6th today. I haven't touched them. So, yes. Yeah, so that's the other thing, you know, when you're, when you're going through something, you want to hug people, you want to touch people, you want to, you know, get some support and, and I can't do that. So that's been another very strange thing about having COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, you do have to, and also you can't distract yourself. I mean, I was in my bedroom, so it was hard. I had to think of things to do to keep, you know, busy. Give people some of the things that they can do when they're in their bedroom. Well, you know, it took a few days for me to, to do anything because I think the one thing about having COVID-19 is there's a depression, there's a depression piece to it. Mm -hmm. And when Alexander was deployed, I was very anxious and very scared, but I was not depressed. So um, you have to make sure you don't let the virus get the best of you. And I mean that by, because, you know, you can get caught up in your head and think, oh my gosh, how bad is this going to get? I'm here alone. I'm scared. Um, so I think things you can do are make your bed. I know that's really weird, but <laughs> I mean, once you feel like you're not going to have to use it, make your bed every day. I put a Fitbit on and I started walking 10,000 steps and that was probably like day four or five. I'm like, I've got to start getting, giving myself some goals. Um, virtual yoga has been really important for me. My sister has a class. It's Rebecca Barra. So that's been invaluable for me. Um, so those kind of things, any kind of, you know, going online, talking to people, texting people, calling people, Zoom. We've done some stuff with our family. We've got, gotten together virtually. I've done some stuff with friends. Um, I have a group of friends that have, had lost, have lost siblings. We got together. So anything like that to connect you so you don't feel so isolated and alone. Because it's, it's pretty lonely being in your room by yourself. Mm -hmm. So... So uh, exercise, I guess you could play uh, solitaire. People do a lot of those online games. Gaming is good. Journaling. really good. And I was able to come out of my room. So I've had this for three weeks. So I came out of my room um, a little less than a week ago. And it was a beautiful thing. I haven't left my house. But I came out and my son, Alexander, he set up a Mario gaming thing for the whole family. Because I have a 15-year-old also, Samantha. So our whole family games together. And we all have, it's really fun. We do it every day for probably an hour. And it's been a real great stress reliever and something we can all do together. Can you talk about meditation? Did you do any meditation? I did, but I needed apps. At first, it was hard to do meditation. So, you know, I know that Oprah has got a free meditation app that I'm on right now, her and Deepak Chopra. So that was good. That's been really good um, to calm my mind because with COVID-19, my biggest fear was that I was not going to be able to breathe in the middle of the night. So I did need, I found those apps to be helpful, mm -hmm. the meditation piece. Let's talk about that scary thing about dying, because I know uh, people, you know, they have these numbers on the TV. And also when Alexander was in Afghanistan, you know, the nightly news always talked about, you know, if, if there were any uh, soldiers killed anywhere in the United States, and they still do. But watching those numbers and all that kind of thing can really be anxiety producing, can it? Yeah, I think both in both cases today and when he deployed is I tended to get really fixated on the news and then I would get really anxious. 
So even today, I think taking news breaks is really, really important. Um, I want to stay updated, but I don't want to get overwhelmed. You know, there's so much going on right now. And, and, you know, I am from New York City and that's where I live. And it's overwhelming to see what, what the whole country and what New York is going through right now. Mm-hmm. So I have had to kind of say, okay, Heidi, you know what's going on. You just got an update. Now you have to step away mm-hmm. and take care of yourself today and not look at the news. And how about taking a shower? Yeah, water's great. Water's really good. I mean, taking a shower is amazing. When it first happened, um, my daughter definitely copes by sometimes taking a shower. She was super nervous and scared, and I heard her in the shower. So, yes, I think water can put you in. It can, it can put you back into the present. So we have to be careful. We've got to try to stay in the present and not get ahead of ourselves. Because I think obsessing about what could happen or what might happen is, is a dangerous place to get to. It's a dangerous place to be in your head. That's really, da- that fear for somebody yeah. who has COVID has got to be very scary. It is. And, and when you see the news and you hear about all these people and they profile people that have died and how they've died, it makes you worry that you're going to have that, mm-hmm. that issue. Well, as your mom, it was very scary for your dad and I to hear that you had the COVID virus. And uh, it's, you know, been scary. And we uh, like to check up on you and see that you're moving forward and, you know, not back. And, you know, it, it's very scary for family members being around. And it's also really interesting because I live in California and you're in Arizona. And I say to somebody, my daughter has a COVID virus in Arizona. And they look at me like, back. Right. You know, like, they wanna, you know. What I know that I haven't been around her since Christmas time, you know, so there, there is that kind of thing connected with it. But let's talk about um, how you deal with real fear if, if people are really caught up in that dying fear. Well, I think it's hard because, you know, a lot of, I mean, my brother died at 17 and my cousin. And so I also know that people die and people can die even young. And so I think that, you know, for a lot of the people that I know, a lot of my friends have had loss. And this is really scary because they've already had a loss. So, you know, I think looking at the statistics and constantly reminding yourself that it's highly, highly unlikely that you're going to die. That even Alex, I I had to keep saying that when Alexander was in Afghanistan, it's highly unlikely that he was going to die. And now I find myself saying the same thing to myself. Heidi, it's highly unlikely that you're going to die of the coronavirus. So I think that's, I mean, to validate and acknowledge that it's really hard. And, and it's really stressful for everybody right now. And then to remind yourself that it's highly unlikely that you're going to die. And even if you end up hospitalized, you might not die. It's hard because the new, you know, if you, if you look at the news, you, you go into those spaces and think you're at risk. If you look at the percentages are very small. Yes. You know. yes. So you've got to constantly do that. And I think it's important, the pictures you put in your mind, um, if you know, if you think about, say, Scott dying, if you're my son or Heidi's brother, if you put, the, if I put those pictures in my mind and go back there, it's really pretty toxic. Um, his death date was on April 2nd. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about that a little bit, Heidi, because I know people aren't getting their losses acknowledged right now. I mean, many people have lost people the last two years and not in the COVID uh, virus. So they're kind of getting disfranchised and not acknowledged. I agree with you. And I've even, I even heard somebody, you know, say to somebody that just recently had a loss this week, oh, did they die of the coronavirus? And they said no, and it was almost like, oh, it's almost like it's even more disenfranchised. Right. So like you said, I mean, there's a lot of people out there every day right now that are dealing with loss and not being able to gather with at funerals. 
yep. and not being able to sit Shiva together. I mean, these are very real things going on as we speak. Mm-hmm. And that is all getting minimized with what's going on with the They're also the anniversary. And I just want to tell people that we did, it's been many years since Scott was killed at 17. And we acknowledged it. I, I texted everyone and we wrote down some stories. Uh, some fun stories. I said, give us a fun story. And we, uh, I'm sheltering with Heidi's sister and my two grandchildren. And we talked about it at dinner and read some of the things that were, uh, the little stories that were said and talked about it a little bit. And and then we lifted a glass to uh, Scott and to uh, all of our grandchildren and to our children and, and uh, said appreciation for them. So do acknowledge those dates now. You know, make sure you stop and it may, even no matter how long it's been, but also take care of yourself if you are grieving, we know, you know, you need to, and it's the same for how you're taking care of yourself, Heidi, which is eat, sleep, drink a lot of water, what else, get some exercise, look at nature. Walking is important for me. I walk every day and I don't leave the house, but you can walk even if you're only in an eight by 10 room. I love what New York City's doing at 7 p.m. every night coming together, yelling, screaming, and cheering for all the frontline workers out there. You know, that's an amazing way to, we're all in this together, you know, and we're all going to get through it together. So don't isolate, reach out. And, you know, I know that you're going to physically distance, but as, you know, Governor Cuomo said, we can spiritually connect. So we're going to physically distance and spiritually connect. We need to stay connected. And, you know, uh, one of the things that they say is love and fear can't live together. So it's the love. Find the love, think about the love, tell people you love them, look at the love of nature if you love reading, think of something you love every day, express some gratitude for that love. I like that, and think of something that might be a silver lining. I mean, for me, it's being with my son. I know he can't leave and he has the shelter in place with us, but it's an amazing thing. I mean, I don't see him very often, and he was gone for almost a year, and I don't spend a lot of time with him, and I get to see him all the time now. So that's been a real blessing for me. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us today on this show. And we want to remind you that you can visit us at Open to Hope. And if you need uh, some assistance, if you've, you're a military family or if anyone's been in the military, go to TAPS, T-A-P-S, online and look up the Tragedy Assistance Program. And it's a wonderful organization. They have a national conference every year uh, during Memorial Day in May. I mean, they're not going to have it this year because of what's going on. I think they're going to do it virtually, though. And yes, my my heart goes out to everybody out there. And I want to thank all the military families for the service that your loved ones have given the country. And I'm my heart goes out to everybody out there that's dealing with the coronavirus, because like I said, it, it impacts every single one of us. And we also want to thank all those health care workers out there and all the people that are putting their lives on the line, as do our military people who are very grateful for and again, thanks for uh, joining us on the show. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.